Welcome to Jewish Education Matters, where we discuss issues in contemporary Orthodox Jewish day schools. Welcome to Jewish Education Matters. Uh, we got Matt Schneeweiss and Pesach Sommer. I know them as friends, but many people know them as teachers. So I'm not going to extol their, their views, but from what I hear, they're pretty successful at their jobs. And this conversation is going to be not only about, it's going to be about your views, but it doesn't necessarily reflect uh, your views of your specific school. It's more your views of education as a whole. You've all been to, you've all been employed by multiple schools. You've all sent your kid. I mean, Pesach has sent his kids to multiple schools. Uh, You have friends, you have community members, you have family. So and you know many other teachers, you network with other teachers. So this is more your views in general, not specifically about your school. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna start with a question that Olivia gave me, which okay. is, and we'll start with Pesach. How, yeah. did, you get to Ju- how did you get into Jewish education? Ooh. How did I get into Jewish education? That's, it's an interesting question. I, I sort of fell into it. Um, I actually, um, we're coming up on, I think our 20, don't tell my wife I said, I think, but our 29th anniversary. Um, I, I knew I wanted to work with kids. Um, I majored in psychology, which is pretty much a worthless major, but you know, I mean, I wanted to do some sort of counseling or something like that, but wasn't sure what, didn't have the work habits uh, or the zits flesh to do a PhD. Um, and so I, I actually started out um, in, in uh, Wurzweiler for, for social work. Um, and there were all sorts of questions that came up, you know, various issues that came up. And just, you know, I mean, I knew I wanted to work with kids, and, but I wasn't sure. And then Wurzweiler sort of fell apart. And I ended up, uh, you know, we ended up moving out to Cincinnati for an NCSY job. And hold on, hold on. Just to clarify, Wurzweiler fell apart, meaning... Your, no, 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 your... no. They didn't fall <laughs> I fell apart at Wordsweiler. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, now I'm saying it fell apart for me. Right. I, I don't want to start any uh, rumors. <laughs> institutions. Um, but we moved out to Cincinnati where I was doing NCSY. Um, I've been NCSY advisor for, for a bunch of years already. Um, and I just needed, it wasn't a full-time job. And um, various things that I was supposed to, to do didn't work out. And then there was a school in Dayton, Ohio, 55 miles north of Cincinnati, where, you know, they, they, they needed someone. And I was Jewish and knew a little Hebrew, and that was good enough. And I sort of fell into it. I had no idea what I was doing, didn't have smicha, but um, I sort of fell in love with it. And then uh, that was it. That, that got things rolling. Okay. And a follow-up question before I get to Rabbi Schneeweiss, which is, how uh, do, do you think smicha is important for, uh, you know, looking back, do you think if you were hiring people for this job, do you think smicha is important to have this job? Um, I mean, it depends what you mean by important. I mean, it's important to have it as a, as a, as a teacher when you can, because um, it's treated as a, like a, a graduate degree. Um, is it important to have it as a teacher? Um, not necessarily. I mean, uh, you can be a uh, Amaretz with smicha, or you could be a Tamar Chachm without it. 
Um, so I don't, I, I don't think, in other words, I don't think there's anything inherent that makes it important. But again, you know, I mean, it, it, it also, you know, there's a certain level, you know, I mean, I, there are some schools where, you know, they call you rabbi regardless of whether you have smicha, which I understand also, but I'm saying, you know, I mean, I, I think in terms of there's a certain level of respect that, you know, that, that comes with it. But in other words, in terms of the actual job of teaching, it's, you know, especially the way smicha is done and um, it's not really preparing you to teach. Okay, got it. Okay, now I'm not sure if I should call you Rabbi Schneeweiss or Matt. I guess but... we should just nat- match the uh, either Pesach and Matt or Rabbi Schneeweiss and Rabbi Sommer, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, your your Zoom name it says Rabbi. Oh, sorry, Schneeweiss. I didn't realize that's left so, over from the uh, yeah. So uh, I'll I'll go with Matt then. Uh, okay, sure, I know sure. you as Matt. Uh, yeah. How did you get into Jewish education? So I got into the way I got in is kind of uh, tied to becoming Jewish and starting my Jewish education, really, which was the, the very, very short version of this is that I was in our our family was becoming religious. I was halakhically not Jewish. And we were living in this place called Yakima, which is in eastern Washington. You know, no Jewish community other than like a very small reform community. We had already been moving towards orthodoxy. And the plan was that I would finish out public school in high school. And then my, my family would move. And then my brother, who's five years younger than I am, would start Jewish school there. And then what happened was at the very beginning of 10th grade, then I, there, we went on a Shabbaton hosted by the Seattle Kolel. And there were a bunch of kids from the, the, the Northwest Yeshiva High School. And these were like normal modern Orthodox kids, boys and girls my age. I was extremely shy, so I didn't talk to them much. But the entire Shabbos, they were excitedly talking about school. Okay. And it was talking about their, they were talking about, you know, halacha, they were talking about philosophy, they were talking about ethics, they were talking about their history class, their science class. It was just this excitement. And I was this like, you know, straight A grade focused kid. And I had never been exposed to intellectual, like to the love of learning, you know, it's learning the Shema. And I, I, I was like bombarded by it you know, from these kids. And then like a month or two later, it was on Rosh Hashanah at night. We were spending Rosh Hashanah in the Jewish community in Seattle, which we did, you know, as much as we could. And I told my parents, I said, like, I want a Jewish education. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't care if I have to board with a family and like, you know, live away or whatever, but I want to, I want to go to this school. And we all kind of made this family decision to go there. And then I started my Jewish education in 11th grade and had amazing teachers and was exposed to, you know, the school had this, this, you know, this energy, and I say had because everyone in the school is different now, you know, all administration teachers, everyone's different. So I don't know what it is now, but this energy of just love of learning and fostering love of learning in kids. And it was infectious. So I, that was my exposure to Judaism of these two amazing years, 11th and 12th grade of excellent teachers and excellent learning and a, a culture where, you know, religious kids and not religious kids just loved just discussion and talking and learning, you know, and then I went to yeshiva and then I was going to go into journalism because uh, I, I loved writing. And at some point, I think it was just being in yeshiva. I was in yeshiva for three years before I even started my undergrad in psychology also. And like over the course of those three years, you know, I would come home, give Debray Torah. I would like talk ideas out. I would write, you know, and I found that I had that passion for teaching and for like facilitating, you know, for fostering those experiences in, in other people and uh and you know just wanting to be involved in that in that world and that's that's what led me to teach and you know i did not follow i i, I read pesach i read your um your uh your what do you call it, your uh, uh follow-up um postings article or whatever on uh, on advice and you know 
I was also advised have a plan B, you know, and I did not have a plan B and I knew that that was a risk. And I knew that I was, uh, you know, gifted when it came to, like, I knew I, I, I knew I could explain things very well, but I had no idea whether I, I was, you know, be successful in classroom management. And like, I almost, you know, my first teaching job, uh, this is, uh, you know, when I was finishing up, I was really, um, the first couple of months were, were horrible. And then I, I, thanks to, you know, a couple of, of, of good influences, uh, then I was able to like get my act together and turn it around. And then I didn't look back. So that's the, uh, the short story. And just to, just to clarify for people, cause I know what you mean when you say you didn't have a plan B and yeah. Isaac knows, but in case mm. there's an audience. Right. So, so, you know, uh, if there's, uh, I guess two things, there's the factor of, can you make a living as a teacher? And then there's, if you go into teaching and it doesn't work out, then what are you going to do as a backup? And so, so I think both of those can be termed plan B. And I did not have, I mean, I majored in psychology uh, in undergrad and then I majored in, uh, in Jewish education at Israeli uh, or in, for, for my master's. And so uh, I'm sure I could have found something else to do, but I did not get any professional training in another, another area. And it really wasn't until much later in my teaching career that I started teaching English. Uh, which I think could be another pivot, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did that also, but, but I didn't have a plan B at the time. It was, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I got another question, which kind of relates. Do, do I get to answer this Mika question or was that just for Pesach? Oh, well, yes, but it <laughs> okay. was originally, it was originally for Pesach because he said I didn't have Smicha at the time. So ah, it was kind okay, of a follow-up right. to what he said. Well, why does that matter? I see. Or does that matter? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. What do you, what do you think about? Yeah, I was going to, I agree with everything that Pesach said. Uh, and I would just add that I'm very interested. I, I think that the problem is about smicha in general, about what it means and a lack of clarity about what it means. I think that uh, these are not all the categories, but uh, a, a, a rabbi who teaches, a rabbi who poskins and a rabbi who is a congregation leader are three completely different jobs. And I think that it is weird that it's that people regard the title as transferable between those domains. You know, it's like if you're a doctor, <laughs> you know, in one field, it doesn't transfer to the other field. And if you're a doctor, if you're a PhD, it doesn't transfer to being able to do medicine. So this is really more similar to that, right? I mean, <laughs> and yet, and yet, and yet people are yeah. called uh, doctor, right? And you don't know, right. is it? What exactly. Is it, is it a medical doctor? Is right. a doctorate? So it's kind of now, similar. I, I do think that in the same way as like, you know, MCATs, uh, I don't, again, this is out of my depth, but my analogy as a layperson, you know, MCATs kind of like weeds out the field in a certain sense, like not anyone could just like become a doctor. So I, I see, I understand the idea that you want some sort of bar of like competence in learning to be able to do all three roles. But, but as, you know, as, as we all know, like you can be, you can know halakha in and out and just be a, 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 a bad or a destructive teacher. And same thing with, you know, a, a congregation rabbi. And so I, I don't know what the solution is, but like, I, 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 I think that any solution ideally should be accompanied with like a change in the role, you know, call people who are postkin who have yore yore like that, you know, like have, a title as a pose, you know, a, a, a rav as an educator. I mean, the problem is in the title, I think, not in whether the title is needed for education. The problem is like how we, how the title is regarded. So yeah, I don't know what the solution is. Uh, so do you think that there are some kinds of smicha that are beneficial for teaching in Jewish education generally? Yeah, I think, I, I do think that if there, I, okay, I mean, I mean, generally I, I, I bristle at the idea of standardization for, for lots of things. 
but like if there were standardization that somehow like <laughs> you know somehow equivalent to a teacher certification you know which would involve a certain demonstration of competency of 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 mastery of the sub subject matter, whatever the subject matter is you're teaching, that makes sense. You don't want people who, who you know, uh, I think on, on your podcast, uh, then I think someone mentioned about, you know, you have these um, schools where like, you know, girls are like fresh out of seminary, you know, 19 years old, and then just are thrown into a classroom and they don't know how to learn. They don't know how to teach. I don't know who said this, but uh, I, I think that, you know, that might be able to be avoided. Uh, so, so I think there does need to be like a, but you don't need to learn your idea in order to teach Homash. Like what does one have to do with the other? you know? Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Now, uh, related to something you said, Matt, so we'll start with you, but then I want to ask the same question to Persak. Who was the most impactful teacher you had and why? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I have to give two answers. Um, one in my life as a non-Jew and one in my life as a Jew. So in my life as a Jew, my Rebbe, Rebbe Moskowitz, uh, Zegar Tzadok Libracha, who, uh, I'm sorry, who, who died a few months ago. Um, well, it's the first time I've talked about him uh, since, uh, since then. I mean, outside of the, the, uh, the, uh, the Avelis. Wow. Yeah, so Rabbi Moskowitz was the most influential uh, teacher who I've had. Um, uh, yeah, pretty much every, uh, the whole introduction to the world of learning and thinking and uh, joy of Torah, uh, you know, is is from him. And was yeah. that at your high school? And yeah, I was can... at my, it was, yeah, it was at my high school. And, uh, you know, I started as a, a student in his class and then learned with him every summer after that. And then, you know, uh, basically became a habrusa of his for, for the last years. Uh, and so it was a really uh, special uh, relationship. And then uh, as a non-Jew, so we're talking in middle school, and this is where I think of Pesach, every time I see you post me on middle school, my other most influential teacher was uh, my my band teacher, uh, Mrs. Scott, uh, um, who this is in Yakima, sixth through, seventh, through eighth grade. My, my whole life revolved, before I was Jewish, my whole life revolved around music. Um, I was going to be, I, I, I was, I played clarinet, saxophone, and piano, and was involved in a uh, bunch of different, you know, uh, jazz band, wind ensemble, youth symphony, marching band, pep band, all this stuff. And Mrs. Scott was uh, the uh, the first teacher who I remember having who, she was an Eskimo who's a drill sergeant. And she, she had, you know, tough love and she believed in us. And she, but she ran it like a military institution. And it was, it was just this combination of really believing in us and pushing us to our limits and, like the the style of like the inside jokes and like you know we're, we're special but not in like a, an egotistical way but because like you know like look at what we are and uh and it was really uh and you know it was i i the the way you know there's uh you know um uh shmabadi musur vichvalti tosh torah simecha you know she was really the torah simecha of like creating the 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 baseline of like of of who i became i think emotionally as a teacher and then I think Rabbi Moskowitz was much more in terms of the the derech of teaching, uh, and 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 it really helped me find my own derech of teaching. I mean, I don't do a lot of stuff that's like Rabbi Moskowitz, but so much of it came from him, or or is 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 my version of what he's doing. So those I I have to mention both those teachers. Amazing answer, and you know, just from the the emoting, I can tell how <laughs> big of an impact they have yeah. Yeah. Uh, on you. I wish I I wish I could say you know I wish I could. Uh, 
you know, cry when I talk about my favorite <laughs> yeah. teachers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Pesach, what about you? Uh, <laughs> that's that. That's uh, uh, um, yeah. So I mean, as you know, like I, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I've seen Matt. You know, I'm, I'm this is the first time we're, we're meeting face to face, so to speak. But I've seen him on Facebook quite a bit. You know, speak about Rabbi Moskowitz, um, who you know I don't know, I don't really you know have any connection to the yeshiva. Um, and and I think one of the reasons why I think I'm so taken by by you know listening to that, and then recently also there's a lot of people been writing that oh, about uh, um, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Weiss Halivni who just passed away. Um, the unique way that um, I never really had any. I, I never you know I had teachers who I liked a little bit. Um, I you know that's the, like you know I mean uh, both Matt's description of like a school that was exciting and filled with learning. I, even though I went to a school that you know was a you know, I went to a good you know quote unquote good you know high school that got kids in, kids into Ivy leagues and uh, you know and the like. I, I you know I don't know I I just um, I had some teachers I liked you know I had like you know Rebbe I remember in I think seventh grade you know but but it wasn't like first of all there's no sense I wasn't into learning there wasn't any sense I was going to be a teacher um you know it was only later on I developed you know relationship with various mentors but I'm saying but in terms of you know actual people in the classroom I, I didn't have any I mean I really you know I, I could tell you you know oh well, I can't tell you I wouldn't say his name but I can tell you the who pushed me I think uh you know in the most negative way you know I'll never forget him, but I, but I didn't have anyone either in terms of like turning me on to learning, which was a very slow post high school development, um, or just even in terms of you know again like this thing I I I was going to be a stockbroker in high school. I was not uh, planning on being uh, very wealthy and uh, not very ethical. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know I I don't know that's thing like you know as I said I fell into it and I sort of developed it and you know that thing when I so when I. You know, that thing, I, I, I'm very jealous when I, you know, when I listen to someone like Matt speak about it, you know, or, you know, the people, you know, Weiss Olivni or just different people when they talk about what it is to have like a Rebbe Movak. Um, I understand the idea. I'm, I'm very, you know, and again, I have Rebbeim in my life now, but in terms of someone in the classroom who, yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't have any. Can I follow up with a question on that? Please. Sure. So, uh, you know, lahavdil, uh, but not really lahavdil. You know, you have situations where a person had a very good parent and then that kind of influences their parenting. And then you have situations where a person has a bad parent and it also influences their parenting in the sense that I am going to be the parent that I wish that I had or, or I'm going to do the opposite of lots of things that, you know. So is there any element because you didn't have a, a, a figure who you were emulating, then did, did the... Did the lack of such a figure factor into the type of Rebbe who you became? So that's a that's a great question. I, I think so. I mean, that's the thing. I think I think you know. I, I, first, of all, I'm I'm always very very you know. I, I, whenever I discuss this, I always say that I'm very clear that I don't know how I would have reacted to a Rebbe who would have like tried to bring me close, either in a just in an intellectual way or in a you know trying to save me. Here, of I, you know, again, it's very possible. That I would have just, you know, not, you know, in other words, so it's not like I, it's not like I'm claiming, you know, if only they had tried sooner. I know I, right. I, I wouldn't, but you know, like I, I think of, I, I forget what the Gemara is. Maybe you'll remember. I think it's in Shabbos, maybe, um, but I'm not sure where it's. You know, Hashem is about to destroy, uh, destroy the base of Megdash. I guess rather timely for this time of year, and uh, tells the Malachim to go down and put a tough on the heads of the tzaddikim, and they say, you know, yeah, but they didn't influence the generation, and uh, mm -hmm. and Hashem says, I. Well, 
I know is a fact that they couldn't have. Uh-huh. And the Malachim say, well, you know that they couldn't have, but did they know that they couldn't? <laughs> yeah. He says, you're right, don't put it tough on them. And he, you know, and so I say the same thing. In other words, like, I, I don't know. I, it's not like I, you know, if only they had tried, I right. would, you know, I, I don't think so. I was not an easy kid. I was, you know, um, but I, you know, but that's the thing. I do, I do try to be a lot of what I, what I didn't have. You know, first of all, I try very much not to play favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to, you know, I mean, again, I try to find the good in all students. Something that I, I felt like, you know, to, you know, so it's, it's a good question. I mean, again, it's not like I never say like, oh, I'm, you know, this is for you, Rabbi. So, right. <laughs> but, but I, but I do think that again, like, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of a sense, you know, sense of like what didn't work for me, and so. I try to do things, you know, from a different angle. So I think in that sense, I think there was an influence. Yeah. Makes sense. And Matt, I was going to ask pretty much the same question. So oh, yeah. <laughs> because uh, Olivia, who, by the way, um, yeah, I'll just say uh, she couldn't make it. Olivia is my wife to the audience. Uh, <laughs> she has two kinds of role model teachers, right? She mm-hmm. has the ones who taught her what it is to be a good teacher. Uh, interestingly, also some in her Jewish school and some in her non-Jewish yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. I, I only went to a Jewish school. I, I, yeah, <laughs> you missed out, Tessa. <laughs> you and I. Uh, and then uh, she also has a teacher who was a negative role model. Ah, in other words, right. her part of her goal in getting into teaching is so that her kids do not experience what she experienced with yeah. her teacher. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's that's I guess also a teacher in a way right so I want to ask the question that really uh sparked the entire idea for this conversation uh so you all you both were discussing Gemara and this was I think inspired by uh a post Pesach wrote where he spoke about uh Gemara and I'm not going to share too much detail I'll let you (laughs) say your own views uh and then uh, and then uh, Matt said some things too. So I want to start with Pesach. What do you think about uh, teaching Gemara? How important is it? Do we do too much, too little? How would you do it differently? It, again, not speaking about your school in general, but overall in Jewish education, modern Orthodox, and also uh, or just in general Orthodox education. And before Pesach answers, I, I want to ask him a question, uh, just a factual question, which I'm going to also answer, which is uh, what, uh, remind me what Gemara teaching experience you have had, like which grades would, you know, boys, girls, uh, and because uh, I also, my, I don't feel like I have a lot of experience and I just want to, you know, <laughs> lay all the cards on the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so that's, that's, I've been, t- you know, I mean, I, again, I think I'm somewhere in my, my 20 plus years of teaching, I don't know what I'm up to, but I've, I've, I've done a, fair share of teaching Gemara. I mean, all seven years I taught Ramaz. Um, I taught at MTA. I taught at Flatbush. Um, you know, I mean, so that's, I, I'd say a strong majority, you know, I, the first school that I taught and I didn't know how to learn Gemara and I wasn't supposed to be teaching Gemara, so that wasn't, but I'm saying, but I'd say probably at least, you're probably, probably between 15 and 20 years worth of, you know, everything from, you know, introducing it in sixth grade, mm-hmm through high school okay. never never a high level shear i mean i'm not that's like i'm not a you know i i, I never really went to a yeshiva where i got a derech and learning i mean i sort of figure out how to you know learn gemara on my own and i you know but i, but I don't you know like in other words that's saying like I, I i never could have given like a like a high level brisker shear i just i don't have the background for that mm-hmm. 
But in terms of, you know, in terms of my own view, um, you know, that's thing, like I, I, I went to um, went to Yeshiva Flatbush where I ended up teaching actually for three years, which was kind of surreal in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I guess the example I always give is I, I think about, um, again, as I said, I was not I was not a very inspired student, certainly not Jewishly. And, um, you know, I was not, I, 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 you know, Matt said something recently on Facebook about being a straight A student or something. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was the guy who did like really well on like SATs and stuff like that, but anything that involved studying, I just didn't have, you know, I just didn't work. Um, so, you know, you know, it was like, again, I had, no, it wasn't like I was trying to get good at Gemara, but I remember by senior year, like I, you know, I sort of, I remember I had like that sort of, at some point during junior year, I started thinking, well, you know, you're a decently smart guy. Maybe you could go to a good school. And it was like very, it was very clear to me that like it was too late. You know, like I sort of, uh, that ship had already sailed. But I, you know, I became a in junior and senior year, I became a better student than I had been. And I remember, you know, my senior year, I was getting A's in Gemara. And I went for, you know, I almost didn't go to Yeshiva. I mean, my older brother didn't go to Yeshiva. He went to like a, uh, like a kibbutz program. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, so I, there was no like family history of going to yeshiva after high school and I wasn't turned on by it, you know, and I almost didn't go like I sort of again like I, you know, because friends went and I met a cool young rabbi who made funny jokes at, at school like that was what got me to go which sounds kind of shallow but I guess it is kind of shallow but uh, <laughs> um, but that's I remember take, going with some friends up to YU for for an interview. Um, and I remember like, he asked me to read the Gemara that you know, again, I was getting A's in at this point, um, and and I couldn't read it. I mean, if if you would, if I'd had my Gemara in school where I had all the punctuation in it and I wrote all the words on top and everything like that, I could have, you know. But I'm saying, but in terms of like a, a you know, like I couldn't. Have, I, I think it was the Mishnah even. I don't think it was even the Gemara itself. Um, and 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 that sort of struck me as like very weird. You know, that you could be getting it. You know, imagine like like getting an A in math, like you can't really do math, but you like, you understand the ideas of math. You could talk about it, you know, like you under, you know, you find numbers really, you know, kind of interesting and, you know, but like you can't actually, you know, do any equations. Um, that was sort of where I was. And again, like, it wasn't like I was trying to be good at Gemara, but I, you know, years later it struck me as like very odd, like that, that I'd gone through, I mean, I assume we probably started sixth grade in, in, in my school, you know, seven years at that point and just, you know, kept on getting passed ahead and sometimes with even with decent grades and just, I didn't know how to learn Gemara, you know, which was kind of weird. And so that's like when I finally, when I finally um, was ready to learn and that was when I was in my twenties when I was already married, um, you know, like that was when I started learning Gemara really. Um, I, think was, I think that was my second or third year of marriage. Um, I, I like that thing I knew for myself, like I, I figured out how to learn by like learning how to read, how like really how to how to make a leaning. And so I, that became something that, that became very serious for me as a teacher. Um, you know, that was the thing like, you know, I was not going to, you know, like, you know, I guess for that question before, you know, I was not going to teach Gemara in a way that you were going to not know how to, you know, like learning how to decode the Gemara became a very, very big thing for me. Um, and, and, you know, that's, and, and for the, you know, and, and pretty much that's my main approach. Like I really, again, you know, if you want to learn, you know, uh, brisker Torah, you know, don't come to me, I, I can't do it. But if you want to learn really like, okay, how do you break it up? And, you know, what do you do when you just look at that page and it just looks like random words and there's, there's, there's no, you know, I mean, I, I really developed a good system for it in, in, in various ways. Um, and, and that's what I've been doing in terms of teaching, but, but that's still, you know, you know, to come back to your original question, 
what do I think of teaching Gemara? You know, it, it's, it, it, it's I guess, so let me, let me also clarify the question. What do you think? It's not just about the value of teaching Gemara. It's also, do you think all kids should learn Gemara or should there be tracks where you can choose to learn Gemara? You can choose to learn Chumash instead, Medrash, whatever, Halacha. That's, that's also the question. Right, right. So uh, again, I'm, I'm a little sensitive to, you know, like I, I don't like the American model of, you know, where a kid shows like they're, they're, they're pretty much like they're, they're, they have like learning disabilities in math in fourth grade. And yet we make them take, you know, math all the way through at least junior year of you know, school, like tough luck. You're not good at it. You don't like it. We're going to make you suffer because, you know, so I don't like that model, but I, but I also don't like the European model of like, okay, you're 13 years old, you're not really excelling. So we're gonna, you know, <laughs> you're gonna go to a trade school. So I, I, I wouldn't want to do either with Gemara. In other words, I, I, I don't think it should be mandatory beyond, you know, you know, that every single, you know, you must learn Gemara, boys or girls. In other words, to me, you know, big boys, should g- girls learn Gemara. There's nothing to do with that. It's like, you know, should anyone learn Gemara? It depends, you know, are you interested in it? Do you have the head for it? Do you have the language skills for it? Do you have the personality for it? You know, if it does, then I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. I mean, I've taught girls, I've taught boys, I've taught, you know, code classes, but I, that, I don't really care. Um, so I, I would advocate that at, you know, at an older age, I know there's one of the things I love at Ramaz, we don't start Gemara till seventh, but if you tell me, you know, I could work in a school where they wouldn't start Gemara till ninth, I'd go for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the later you start it, the better chances that the kids are going to get it and that they're not going to be turned off by the struggles in it. Um, but I would say a year or two, just, you know, just so they know what it is, they've, they've met it and then sort of, uh, you know, if the kids who like it and who want it, so then, yeah, that's a track. And then the kids who don't, um, I don't really see a point in, in, in forcing it beyond that. And that's essentially what we do. Um, you know, in other words, again, it's like this really weird combination. In other words, overwhelmingly, we don't teach kids how to actually learn Gemara. You know, in other words, again, like, um, you know, except for kids who either come from families where it's a thing or really get into learning and then go to, I don't know, NCSY Kolel or, you know, Morasha Kolel or something like that. But in terms of like just schools giving over a competency that the school itself can give over the way they do in all sorts of secular subjects, um, we don't really do that. You know, I mean, so that's the thing, like we, we sort of like we force the kids to stay in it. They're not really good at it. They don't really know how to do it. Um, and it, it, you know, not surprisingly, it doesn't work very well. Um, you know, so that's the thing, like, I, I, I think there's, you know, I, I, I like teaching Gemara. I love helping kids figure out how to read it when they think they can't. Um, but, I, but again, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I, I always point out, you know, historically, almost no women ever touched it, but almost no men either. You know, in other words, <laughs> you know, you could be a very good Jew as, you know, you know, whatever, tens of generations were without ever learning Gemara. But, you know, and but but again, it, it, that thing, it, it has this weird primacy, you know, in yeshiva schools, you know, for boys overwhelmingly, you know, like to the exclusion of anything. But even in modern Orthodox schools, it's like this weird, it's still like, oh, you know, that's where the real learning is. And and I I, I, I don't think it has to be that way. I, I, I don't think it has to be that way. I think it does a lot of damage. I think it... Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think it does a ton of damage to boys who can't learn where, where there's this sense like this is, it's this or nothing. I think just in so many ways and for so many different types of schools, I just think it's not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Matt, yeah. do you, do you uh, 
Do you fully agree, partially agree, <laughs> disagree? Where do you yeah, stand I mean, on this? I, uh, I, I'd say I, I agree with parts. And while I wouldn't say I disagree with parts, I, I definitely have a, a different emphasis here. So really quick, um, uh, I got to say my disclaimers here. So my disclaimer is that you know, the one of the reasons I was hesitant to even do this in the first place, the podcast, is because I feel like my my experience is very limited compared to to Faceoffs. You know, I taught the bulk I bulk of my teaching experience was for a decade at uh, at Midrash Shahadat High School for Girls, uh, Aleha Hashalom. Uh, you know, a girls' school. And it was a, again, unique place, <laughs> just like my, my high school, I was lucky. I was teaching among my, you know, a lot of my friends and my own Rebbeim. Um, and uh, I had the unique situation where I taught so many classes that by the time a student was done with high school, I would have taught her likely between seven in seven or to 11 classes throughout her, her four years. So, so in like, say a 10th grader would have me for Gemara and for Chumash and for Tefillah and for like, you know, for public speaking and for like, you know, like a bunch of things. And so, and this is part of like my view of Jewish education in general that like, I think if I was only teaching Gemara, it'd be one thing, but I'm kind of like participating in facilitating the student's development along multiple axes, you know? Um, and so I, I was coming at it with, with a different perspective than I think a lot of you know, people who teach Gemara in men's, you know, to, you know, to, to in boys' high schools, maybe. I don't know if they have the opportunity to have that sort of a, a development. And again, I've only really taught girls Gemara, and it was beginning Gemara. It was, it was ninth and 10th grade intro to Gemara. So that's the extent of my experience. Okay, now, I'm going to cheat in terms of the answer about what I think the importance of Gemara is, and I'm cheating by looking at my syllabus uh, that I wrote. Uh, and I, in my syllabus, I put five goals for what I wanted them to get out of my class. And I'm just going to read the headings, but I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, number one, to acquire a basic foundation for continued Talmud study. This was part of the curriculum in terms of I knew that these girls would be likely to uh, have Gemara in 11th and 12th grade. And I didn't want what happened to Pesach to happen to these girls where they get to 11th grade and they've never learned Gemara for the last two years. And the cool thing is that the Gemara Rebbe, you know, I, unlike Pesach, I came from like the opposite realm. My yeshiva is very heavy Gemara, you know, into, into Gemara, like, like, and I, you know, I went to a yeshiva for seven years before I started teaching. And I was in my Rebbe's year, uh, Rabbi Pesach Chait for, for six years. And then the fun thing is that he ended up being the Gemara Rebbe for these girls in 11th and 12th grade. So I had had him for six years. And then my job was to prepare these girls for his high school Gemara year, you know? So like that was also to an advantage. But again, I wanted, I wanted to create a foundation that, that they could go into the next level and I could say, okay, I did my job and they will be like more competent than like uh, someone who would be taking my place, you know? Uh, so, so preparing them for continued Talmud study, that was number one. And a lot of these girls are gonna go to seminary also. So that was, that was another thing is I didn't want them to have their first exposure to Gemara to be in seminary. And it ended up being kind of an opposite problem that the girls from our high school ended up being like, you know, <laughs> too knowledgeable in certain cases. And these girls in, in seminary were exposed to Gemara for the first time, you know? So there was like a, a gap there. Second goal is, I said, to become acquainted with the Talmudic methods of analysis. Um, and I think that this is important for two reasons. One is 
you know, I again, Ryan Moskowitz played such a role in my in, in my uh, in, in my development. He was the beginning Gamara teacher, uh, one of the early Gamara teachers. I had him in eleventh grade for half the year, and he viewed Gamara as a way to teach like precise logical thinking. You know, and his big thing was he said there are many guys who learn Gamara and they know all the words for kushia and teretz, but their minds never sees a kushia clearly. They never formulate it as a contradiction between two statements that can't be true, and then the answer is going to be a subdivision that's going to resolve those two things. And if you think that way, you apply it to everywhere. Or let's say like my Rabbi Fox, my, my principal who was in, in uh, who taught in the highest level in, uh, in high school, you know, training us that when you read Rashi on a Gemara, you don't just read Gemara than Rashi. You read the Gemara, you ask all the questions that you can on the Gemara. Then you go to Rashi, you note how many points he's making and realize that Rashi is answering the questions that you should be asking. You know, that's, that can extend to all other learning. It can extend to, to, you know, to, to, to life. So, training them in intellectual in the skills of, of clear thinking question and answer asking precise questions you know that's again I, i'm sure this is not just my yeshiva but you know when someone says an idea you know you're saying good say better well there's also like appreciate the question let's formulate the question you know let's you know ask good questions and again this is i'm reinforcing these skills in my gemara class in my homish class in in, in in everything with these, with these students who i taught so but it's also a matter of basic Jewish literacy. In other words, these students should not feel like Gemara is a foreign country. You know, even if they go on to not learn Gemara and for the rest of their life, they should know that they should, you know, have had some firsthand exposure to Gemara. And I think ideally, let's say, ideally, I would want a student who does learn Gemara for all of high school to be able to appreciate what it takes to master Gemara, like to have some inkling of that. It's not just like, you know, just a big like uh, mystery tome, you know, that like, like people with beards like learn, you know, like, like I, I've seen this and it's really difficult and, and, uh, and having some exposure to that. Goal number three, so again, one is a basic foundation for continued Talmud study, two, become acquainted with Talmudic methods of analysis, three, and this is a, this is a biggie, to recognize that halacha is a system. Okay, I think that so many students, when, when I was converting to Judaism, I was given uh, a copy of the Kitzur Shokan Arach in English and told, you know, learn this, okay? And I remember uh, one of the rabbis who was uh, in the community who was kind of instrumental in our family coming to Judaism, Rabbi Lappin, um, saw me reading the Kitzur Shokan Arach and he said, this is Rabbi Lappin's style. He, he was provocative in this way. He said, that book should be used as a doorstop. And I said, what? You know, and he said, if you take a phone book and you open it up, it just lists all the names. This is back when phone books were used. So you it lists all the names and you can't tell who is, you know, a intelligent, who's stupid, who's like a, a successful person, who's not successful, who's, who's, you know, in this career, who's not career. It's all just a list of particulars, you know? And he said, you learn the kids are and it's just, you can't tell what's, you know, again, this is his pitch. Can't tell what's Doraisa, what's Durabana, what's important, what's a, what's a Humra, what's Kabbalah, what's superstition, what's, you know, what's, what's Minhag Yisrael, what is, you know, and, uh, and I think a lot of kids view halakha this way. It's just this laundry list of particulars, you know? And I want them to see, to have exposure to seeing a couple of sugyas throughout their high school and seeing it from the inside out and realize, oh, this is not just like a laundry list of particulars. You know, this is like, this is a system. And when I am, you know, keeping shot, like, like one of the sugyas I would do as part of my curriculum was borer, you know? Uh, and like realizing that it's not just a, you can't do this. It's 
being familiar with like all of the the, the different levels uh, of, of 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 the system of Shabbos and how does this fit in and and uh, you know what what are machloksim and all this other stuff. So appreciating that halacha is a system, and you can only really do that by like firsthand exposure. Um, Fourth one is to distinguish between halacha and tameh hamitzvahs. Now, this really shouldn't be a Gemara uh, curricular objective, but these kids are so, like, not, they, they can't distinguish between halacha and not halacha, or philosophy of Judaism slash ethics and, like, what the law actually requires. So I would try to, like, sneak that message in whenever I could, you know, uh, of, like, you know, that that getting them to to just, you know, classify like is this derisa derbanan you know um minhag or what i call bagels and locks which is like something that's just cultural and has no uh you know no actual part of the system or is this a, a true idea or is this good midos or is this you know is this uh derech eretz so reinforcing these categories and then number five is to learn halakha lamaisa that was just part of the curriculum that i wanted them to have an ownership over the areas of halakha that they kept that we learned where they would see not just what to do, but see how it emerged from the very beginning of the system, you know, and all of those. So to answer your original question, all of those, I think, are important. How they come about, I don't know the answer to. In other words, I agree with Pesach that I don't think this should be a thing where you start learning in sixth grade and you're just forced to no matter what throughout high school. Um, nor do I think it should be an area where, like, they weed you out if you don't show potential and then you're just out of that track. Like, I, it sickens me. You know, I know uh, Olivia talks about this a lot about like, you know, um, uh, about education for, for, you know, students who are either, who are gifted or who are, who have certain, you know, learning disabilities and how like it, it, these kids get tracked in ways that put them on like a conveyor belt. And then, and then what happened, you know, there's a decision that's made about what's good for that student at a particular developmental level. And then they just get put on the conveyor belt and then just get sent off. And then it almost is like people forget what, you know, to reassess and the kids can radically change from grade to grade. So I, I don't know what the solution is in terms of, um, you know, I don't know how early kids should start in Gemara. I don't know when they should be exposed. I don't know how often, I don't know how if there should be requirements, but these objectives I do hold by. Um, and I think that they are objectives that, you know, for, for, every, uh, for every Jew. Oh, and another one, sorry. One more objective, which is not in the list I was reading because this is in my educational philosophy, is Ava Sashem and Yira Sashem. You know, those to me, you know, my educational philosophy is really to facilitate Bechira Batov, you know, for a kid to be Bokhar Batov. But then the, 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 the like destinations of the curriculum is Ava Sashem and Yira Sashem. And I think that there's tremendous, you know, um, uh, room to develop both of those things in the study of Gemara. You know, there's Yeras Hashem in terms of, again, appreciating the system and how you fit in and cultivating, you know, um, Yeras I mean, I'm not gonna go into what Yeras Hashem is, and then, but certainly Avas Hashem of seeing the Chachma and the beauty of Torah and the beauty of ideas and just the, the, the enjoyment of like getting like lost. You know, I love it when you have a kid who either is, you know, thinks that they're not talented in, in Gemara or, or does not identify as religious. And then like they get to the end of a really good like discussion or analysis in Gamara, and then they realize, oh, I accidentally liked Gamara, you know, like, and then they catch themselves, you know, and like cultivating that, that, that Lishma experience, you know, Gamara is, is uniquely poised to do that because of, of the nature of the subject matter. And because, you know, uh, you, to a certain extent for better and for worse, a kid could, you could divorce the study of Gamara from your own religiosity I mean, for better and for worse and be involved in it. And again, in my high school, you know, in, in, in Seattle, you know, Rabbi Fox taught the top sheer and you had kids who were very anti-religious, 
but they loved the the experience of the Chachma and Gemara, and they associated that love with Torah. Like they didn't want to take on the entire you know Torah, but it was it was a tremendous uh, inroad to, to Torah Lishma. And I think that that's something that Gemara has is uniquely poised to do. Not that nothing else can do it, but that Gemara does it in a unique way. Can I, wow. can, I um, can I respond a little bit to that? Or, yeah, sure. Or, I love it, yeah, love it. yeah, yeah. So. Um, I don't know if you know him in um, real life, but I, I, I mean, I, I do, but I know you have a, you know, connection with him, at least uh, virtually, um, you know, Akiva Weisinger. Yeah, uh, met him once. Right, right. So <laughs> one of the, I, I quote from him quite a bit is he points out that teachers are, are people, are almost always, you know, people for whom school worked. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and, and so what does that mean when they're teaching kids for whom school does not work? And so I guess that would be my pushback to you. In other words, you know, you were, the, you know, again, just in, in listening to what we've been talking about here, you know, you were this kid who got sort of like excited by seeing a room full of kids talking about ideas and all this stuff. You know, I mean, there are kids who would have been in that room and who would have been bored, clueless, completely, you know, um, you know, not the A students, not, you know, um, kids with language issues, kids with, you know, I, I get, you know, that's, that, that's, I guess, my, my pushback on all of this. Yeah, you know, for the kids' room, it works. It's great. Um, yeah. You know, but I'd say the same thing about calculus, although obviously not in, you know, in a religious sense. I'm just saying, like, what do you, you know, in other words, like, I, I just feel a lot of this, 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 you know, like the ideas you said, and again, they're very beautiful and, and, and positive. How much interaction did you have with students who, with difficulty, could get a 72 in easier subjects, you know, or kids right. who... Who really, you know, in other words, I, you know, I, there, there was this one year where I was sort of, you know, I ended up teaching a little English. And, you know, I remember there was this fourth grade boy and he was, you know, he was using, you know, he was saying brang, not, you know, not to be, you know, cute or not, you know, like he had like real language issues in his spoken language. And I remember all I could think is like this poor kid, he's going to be thrown into the Sea of Gamara. And, yeah, you know, and I'm saying he, he you right. know, and so I guess that's my question. What do you do with a kid who struggles in their own language, who can't, you know, you know, analyze a, a an English text, and now you're throwing them in with multiple languages on all sorts of very fine details that that you know. What do you do with right. a kid who just can't do it? Right. So, so to answer your first question about how much uh, exposure I had to teaching kids like that, I mean, so you know, just to just to be blunt here, so I mean, I taught every kid who ever went through the school. Uh, except I think five or six, uh, and, and again taught them for multiple. You know, so I'm I'm teaching the entire body of the entire school. So I had all kinds of kids with all kinds of difficulties and learning disabilities, and uh, or whatever the term is that we're supposed to use about that nowadays, um, uh, challenges and such. Um, and uh, and so I did I did find a lot of of that. And I, this I'm going to confess a reason another reason I did not want to appear uh, uh, or not appear to manifest on the podcast, I don't know what you say for audio, uh, is, is uh, so much of my answers to all these questions come down to my own individual teaching philosophy, which is not a matter that you can just like write into a curriculum. So in my teaching philosophy, you know, there's, uh, I think, a Gemara that's well known, and then one that's less well known on the same Pasuk, which is in Adam Lomain El Abamakum Shalibu Chafetz. Uh, I mean, there's different gears of it, but you know, but I like the one in Adam Lomain, you know, a person only learns where their heart delights in or desires. But then it's Machlokis between that, I forgot who the, who the, uh, the other, 
forgot who the machlok is. I don't know if it's a Robin Shmuel thing. The other one says, "In adam elam You only learn from a person who you who you like. So what I try to do in my teaching uh, is to um, is to work on both areas, and I, I firmly believe that every student, I like, I try to find things that every student had an interest in that I could connect to the subject matter. And I tried to, to foster an individual relationship with a student. They, and it could have nothing to do with learning. Like it could just be like finding out anything about what the student's interests are uh, and or like, like what shows they like or, or, or you know, even just cultivating like inside jokes and then developing a relationship there. And I find that a lot can be accomplished, you know, uh, uh, that you could think that a kid has difficulties with the subject matter or, or, or doesn't like it. And you can just like, you know, you could you could uh, foster that if you have these other things in place, you find something that they like, some way to tap in, some way to make them feel special. And I would, I would, you know, put in a lot of energy, not in the sense that I didn't like it, in the sense that like, this is where my energy naturally flowed to get every student, you know, into this in some way and to create a classroom culture. Again, I was I also had the advantage of being in a very small school. I mean, our school, our classroom size was anywhere from like six to like 12, you know, so, so very, very small. I had that luxury. Again, we did extensive, you know, um, I, I don't know how common this is in other schools. I've heard that some schools, when I say this, then they're like, what, you know, when we had students come into the school, we would have a full, you know, have you know full profile on the student and then talk about them. And then every teacher's meeting, talk about every single student in the entire school, you know, for hours, you know, like have hours where we go through every single student. So like, uh, you know, I would find that that a combination of like finding the in and the subject matter um, and then finding the connection with the student. And then the third thing is helping them learn how to master things. And again, I was the study skills teacher in the school. So my, my, you know, my claim to fame, and this was, I had all students in ninth grade to teach them study skills. And my claim to fame was being able to take kids who had these insurmountable quote unquote problems, and then like showing them tricks. And not every trick works for every kid, but there are tricks that work for every kid, you know, finding tricks that then have them go from like a 60% to like a 90% and feel really good about it. And again, I, I, I'm not saying that I always succeeded in this, but that was that was how I dealt with this is working on all three fronts of like finding something that will, that they'll love, finding a connection and then like like equipping them with skills. And, you know, yeah, sometimes a kid would have to like transfer out of the class. But like most of the time, you know, they could I, we could get you know success uh, and uh that's but that was my experience at least right so I, I just wonder how much like all those things together the small class size yeah the, the starting in high school in other words that's the thing you know in other words when you get like you know in the yeshiva schools where they're starting you know in fifth grade and things like that i, I mean um you know in other words that's the thing I, I i do believe and i've seen it with students who in middle school you know are on a certain level in the human high school and they sort of take off. I mean, that's that's why I'm a, I, I am a very big believer that if you started Gemara in ninth grade rather yeah. than, you know, in an earlier grade, I think it, it would be a, a totally different experience. It would be. And, and I, I think that, you know, the, the, those were the students who gave me the most trouble. Again, not their fault, but students who had had bad exposure to things earlier or who had, you know, whether from a parent, a teacher, grades, whatever. And I had to like, you know, there's an unlearning process that I, I had to like try to make it seem like, okay, this is something completely different that than what you've been exposed to. And trust me on this, you know, and with every success that I had in these other classes, I could be like, okay, you know how like, you know how you love Michelet right now? 
like just just give us a chance to do that in Gamara, you know, <laughs> like and then and then and then and, and the thing also is I firmly believe that every student loves learning naturally. I every student loves learning, and it's only bad teachers and bad experiences that extinguish that flame, and it rarely extinguishes it entirely. And so I just had to figure out like how to like 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 pull all of the, the 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 debris and the detritus off of that like flickering flame and then just you know find the thing that ignites it again and sometimes that could take like a whole year to like like get them to unlearn or to disassociate you know what is being taught from what they've had in the past experiences but i think it's that conviction that no you you do love something about this and we just have to find it uh uh, and, I, and again, I, I, that's a, uh, a belief I have. And I know people, there are people who share the belief and people who think that it's totally crazy, but that's, that's my belief. <laughs> so it seems like some of the common ground you have yeah. is that in theory, you could teach an intro to Gemara class uh, and then teach all these, these five things that you, uh, th- these five goals that you enumerated. And at the end of it, let's say you do it for a year, at the end of it, the kid is still not going to know how to open a Gemara and learn it on their right. own, uh, right. but they'll have, they'll have the kind of the philosophy around it. And then uh, tell me if I got this right, but I think yeah. you would both agree that after you got these basics where you were exposed to it, you had the option to excel in it, then you can kind of decide whether this is your passion and go learn something else or specialize in it and become right. a master. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, again, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just, you know, like one of the things that I think that happens a lot of times is that again, you know, like, especially, you know, and, 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 and I've, you know, I've, I've very mixed, you know, feelings towards the, the brisker Derek, um, you know, and all sorts so do of, I. right. One thing I, like, I, you know, you encounter, you encounter like sort of like art scroll briskers, you know, we're like, you know, once they read the art scroll to figure out what the Gemara says, they can do all sorts of like, cool pyrotechnics and you know <laughs> stuff like that but like right. they don't know how to read the gamara and you know right. so in other words, like yeah i mean that's saying like gamara is intellectual but i'm saying but again but it's like it, it still strikes me a lot of times it's this sense of like you know you, you, when you teach math you there there's a competency that has to come and i feel that sometimes you know, you know, I, I, I find that sometimes like in these like high level shear and like they sort of either take for granted that you could learn or just figure like, oh, yeah, you'll pick that up in Israel or whatever. It's not, <laughs> yeah. not, you know, and, and, and to me, it's like crazy. In other words, again, like it just there's no other subject that you could sort of like play around with the ideas, but never actually be able to just do them on a basic level and just sort of skip to higher. I don't know right. what to you know, no, I've, I've encountered that as well. It's a big problem. You know, now, now that I teach in, in Yeshiva, you know, Yeshiva Gadola, like we're getting students who come back from years in Israel, you know, from different Yeshivas. And, uh, and you know, like you could tell that that happened to them in high school, you know, where like they didn't have any, uh, any, any, any skills. And then the students who work on skills when they're in Yeshiva come back to our, our yeshiva in, in America and like they have the skills, then there's students who, do, who just don't even do that because they're involved in the pyrotechnics, as you say, you know, and that's that's destructive as well because the whole goal, and I, this, I'm curious if, how you answer this. I mean, it, I, I often say that the goal of, of my, uh, of, of, of any individual class is for the students to make you, to help you develop into an independent learner. Like we want you to be able to be, to learn on your own you know, because you're not always going to have, you know, teachers who are 
teaching class, like, you know, again, this is, uh, depends on what lifestyle you go into, but like, you're not going to be in seminary or yeshiva for the rest of your life. We want you to learn on your own. And that's the question of how do you integrate skills development without crushing the soul or turning people off or like making it boring? I mean, you know, I, and I don't have a good answer to that question. I mean, I did it in ninth and 10th grade, but you know, uh, I, I don't know a global answer. Yeah, so um, I don't know if how long this conversation should go or could go. Um, but I'm three hours I, behind you, so I got time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my, oh, you're in Seattle? Mm -hmm. You're two hours behind me. I'm in Chicago. Um, oh, sorry, yeah, three hours behind Pesach. So, uh, but yeah, I, I want to be mindful of your time. I'm just going to yeah. share a little memory that you both brought up, uh, which maybe relates to this idea. So I, I went to a Hasidish, you know, Talmud Torah. Uh, growing up and we had uh, we had two hours of secular studies and the rest of the day was devoted to Lamude Kodesh and there were kids I would say there was maybe one kid who is very successful nowadays who was very good at all the subjects secular and religious most kids were very good were either very good at one or very good at another or not good at either and so I was, so there were kids who were extremely good at Gemara. I was not one of them. And I think I was considered a shvacha cup, which was Yiddish for a weak head, you know, and I, I was pulled out uh, to mm -hmm. be tutored uh, in order to catch up uh, with Gemara and, and possibly, all, I don't, I think it was just Gemara uh, and, and uh, commentaries. And when it came to secular studies, like English and math, I was, you know, in the top of the class. And I, it was always so strange because people would see, oh, that's the stupid kid. But actually, no, it turns out, you know, two years later, or even the same year, they were doing extremely well in some other subject. And the kids who were extremely good at Gemara were doing terribly mm -hmm. secular. And I kind of felt bad also uh, thinking, wow, these people are so lucky that they come to a Jewish school, because if they were just learning English and math and let's say a public school, they would just be seen as a stupid kid, whereas they're mm -hmm. the genius of the class when it comes to Gemara. Yeah. So I don't know what you make of it. It kind of relates to uh, points that both of you were making. Uh, I, I have a brief thought. If uh, I, uh, So this is what it reminds me of is, you know, my uh, I did not really find a Chumash Rebbe. I love Nach. Uh, and I love Ksuvim, really. <laughs> I, I didn't find Nach later on either. But, uh, um, but I didn't really find a Derech in Chumash until like my fifth year of Yeshiva, sixth year of Yeshiva, maybe, uh, Rabbi Yoni Sachs. And, I, and we learned on Shabbos once, uh, you know, uh, for the entire like Shabbos morning, every, every Shabbos. And so, so I heard this from him and I don't know what he was referencing. He was talking about in certain Eastern societies. I have no idea what that means. I don't know. It was like Japan. I, I'm, let's just say Japan. I have no idea. Um, I, I, you know, I, 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 I'm Chinese, so I can like, I can like mix up Asians and, and people can't like say that I'm being offensive. Um, so um, that's how it works. Right. So um, he said that like what they would do is, you know, they noticed that each, different kids had different interests. So like, let's say you're interested in calligraphy, you're interested in like cooking, you're interested in, you know, tea ceremonies, you're interested in martial arts. And what they would do is they would encourage you and to cultivate your area of interest. Okay. And that would give you a certain mastery over that and an appreciation for it. And then there's a certain point where you realize, oh, like 
the same thing that I love and am involved in, in, in calligraphy, that's what that kid is doing in martial arts. And that's what that kid is doing in painting. And the, the nimshal that Rabbi Sachs was saying is that, you know, it's all Chokmah Sashem. Every area you do, you, you do in Torah, really every area you do everywhere is Chokmah Sashem. But you know, we were talking about Torah and like, you know, different kids have different interests. And what, what the ideal system would be, help each kid to cultivate a real relationship with that area of Torah and a relationship with Hashem through that area of Torah. And at a certain point, they might have a certain like, like, you know, the martial arts kid might be like, okay, you know, I'm fighting. Like this guy's only like painting stuff with brushes, you know? But at a certain point, they're gonna realize, oh, like it's all Chokmah Hashem and it's all beautiful and it's all good. And then you be, what happens is you become attached to Chokmah Hashem in your area. And then you eventually become attached to Chokmah outside of that also in other areas of Torah. But you're not gonna get there unless you are, you know, unless your your, your skills and, and, uh, and like love or fostered in the area that you naturally love, you know? And that's, again, part of my orientation of like I am really, I think if there's any major change in the curriculum, it should be less curriculum. I think there should be more, you know, of, you know, of unschooling type of uh, scenario where you're really just helping kids pursue their interests and they will, all of Torah is connected. So they will find, you know, eventually get to all of Torah through that. Maybe they're not going to become a Lamdan and, and a Rosh Hashiva giving Shir and Gemara, but like they will find their way there if you facilitate it properly. All right, that's perfect. So do we want to end here or should I ask another question? Could go down a rabbit hole. I feel I bad for this. I, I think we could probably take one more question if you'd like. Sure. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm game. All right. So I'm going to go off of something. I have a whole list of questions I'm not going to get to, which is fine. Okay. Um, but I, I'm going to go off of something that after this, after this gets, becomes wildly successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know if Matt's going to let me post this, <laughs> but, uh, okay. So something Matt said about, you know, the gifted kids go on this conveyor belt and the the learning disabled, you know, kids with learning disabilities are going on this conveyor belt. So I want to uh, touch on that a bit because I'm a lay person. I'm not an expert in education or Jewish education, uh, but I am a parent who's interested in this. And I see there's a lot of talk about improving Jewish education as it relates to kids with learning disabilities. And my impression is that we've gotten better at it. There's still room to improve. And depending on which school, some schools do a better job than others. My impression is also that there's really no one with a really gifted child who is 100% happy with their child's Jewish education mm-hmm. to the point where I personally know several people who have pulled out their kids, you know, who wanted to give their kids okay. Jewish education, were willing to put down the money, but it just wasn't working. And then they put them into Sidwell or, you know, one of these fancy private schools uh, that are not Jewish. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes if you're lucky, they supplement uh, you know, with a tutor or something. So my question is, what is your impression of everything I just said? Is it A, is it accurate? And B, uh, do you, what do you think, uh, do you think gifted kids are being, a dis- are being disserviced? Do you think it doesn't matter? They'll be fine anyway. Uh, and do you think, what, where do you think Jewish education as a whole should be going? What should they be doing to improve if you think there should be improvement? We'll start with Matt since this is a follow-up. Okay. We'll end with Pesach, and that'll be the last hurrah <laughs> conversation. Then, yeah, 
so I, I really don't have much to say. Um, I, I do agree with you that things have improved, uh, again, just in my much shorter educational uh, career, um, but things have also gotten much worse in terms of the problems that these kids have and, and what they have to deal with. I mean, a lot more uh, mental health issues that due to, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the causes are, but like, it, you know, and, and as a result, I think teachers um, have, I think you talked about this on the podcast, uh, pays off uh, um, a little bit that there's so many things that teachers have to, are, are expected to, to address uh, that, uh, that are not in our areas of expertise. And I, I really, you know, it was, it's very confusing. You know, our, our school had a good system of like, you know, the social worker and the psychologist and, and you know, and the principal and the teachers. I, but so much is dependent. I, just it's these problems are so multifaceted, you know, um, and I, I don't know what to make of that or, or how to solve it. But it, many times it's just a problem of like, you know, uh, figuring out like, is this an educational problem? Is this a problem at home? Is this like, I, I, you know, it's I, I don't really know what to make of that. I, I will say that um, that, you know, I I was a big skeptic when I first started out teaching about you know, how much uh, accommodations help, you know, until my second year of teaching when there was a girl who used to get, you know, in the 60% on my Gamara class, uh, you know, uh, uh, test. And then she was given extra time and she got 100% on her first test. And I was like, oh, I guess this thing could work, you know. Um, uh, and in terms of the, the gifted kids, I mean, I, I it's, I, I could, I, I also, you know, I, I could definitely see it being a problem. And I also have friends with, with kids who, who have, who, who face that problem. I don't know the solution. I mean, it's so much of this is limited by the particular school that they're in uh, and, and how much that school can accommodate. I, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what a universal solution would look like uh, or, or, or even like a universal model because so much is just dependent on how many resources do you have available. I, when I, I, I first taught at Hafter High School and uh, this was in my, my carefree days as like a part-time teacher. And what I did was like, I just volunteered like, you know, to teach all the gifted kids myself uh, you know, uh, and like the principal, like let them skip other classes and we would just have one-on-one -on -one learning. And, uh, and, you know, if you could do that for every kid, that'd be great, but you just can't do that. You know? So I, I don't know what the solution is. Hopefully Pesach has something. <laughs> Your only hope. Yeah. Well, then you're, we're in big trouble. Then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just, to me, like, I, I mean, there are just these like big questions about like what is, a, you know, again, like in terms of like some something universal. In other words, every school really is its own island. I mean, there's, you know, there there is no real, you know, you know, other than in sports leagues, like you're pretty much, you know, every school has just doing their own thing, and in, in, in all sorts of ways, everything from finances to how they deal with students with learning disabilities to how they deal with gifted kids to, you know, so in other words, like, so the idea that there would be something universal, I don't think they're possibly good because there's nothing universal in almost anything. Um, but, but again, but even beyond, so then beyond that, then the question, you know, is, is almost, I don't know, I'd like to see, like, just like there are Harvard's and there's University of Binghamton and there's, you know, Broome County Community College, you know, in other words, like, these monorail schools try, try to be like, everything for everyone and I think in a certain sense that never really you know one one size does not fit all or even most it often fits very few and I I, I think that's the thing in other words I think that I, I you know again look obviously if you're talking about like a community with one school so it's gonna have one school and it's gonna either work or it's not gonna work but I'm saying but if you're talking about you know communities that have 
you know, multiple schools. So then it's almost like I'd like to see them not compete in terms of, you know, compete for donors or compete for, you know, kids, but try different approaches and see what works. In other words, rather than having, you know, five different, you know, modern Orthodox schools that are all sort of doing the same version as each one, like, what if, you know, this school was known as, you know, like we have, a you know, again, whatever, I don't, I don't know what a gifted program can look like or should look like. I have no idea what, you know, I, I, I'm not even sure that it has to be a separate program. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's a, there's a time we could talk about just educationally on that, but, but again, like, you know, it, it just sort of, it just becomes this thing where all the schools just try to be, you know, well, yeah, we're college prep and everyone is Hanukkah and RLP Darko and everyone is, you know, Okay, great. So then, so then you end up with like a bunch of like kind of amorphous, you know. But again, like I, I just wonder if like there were if if there were actual options where you'd say, well, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, my wife and I always talk about, you know, we have uh, eight kids, Kanina Haram. We have, you know, now on our on our uh, six, it's the first time we've had like two kids go to the same school. Oh, wow. You know, and I'm saying like, you know, again, like I don't you know if we lived in you know Seattle, that wouldn't necessarily yeah. happen. You know, kudos I mean, to you. We've lived. All <laughs> I'm saying, but in other words, like. But that's what sort of happens, you know. You live in a community, and it's like, you know, this is what this is what a modern Orthodox school is. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I dream of one day, you know, just trying, you know, like trying something different. I just feel like they're just everyone is doing the same thing because everyone's doing the same thing. And so, again, whether we're talking about Gamara or we're talking about a gifted program or we're talking about kids with, you know, learning challenges or we're, I, I, I just think that there's a lot of untapped room for creativity that schools have not even really just thought about because they're too busy just sort of doing what you know what all modern orthodox schools do and i think i i just think it's you know in terms of resources i think that's a mistake in terms of educating kids i just think if you have multiple options there should be interesting things going on and it shouldn't <laughs> just be you know shouldn't just be photocopies of the same model yeah i love that okay yeah. i think that's a great uh uh, way to end.